Hey everyone, Happy New Year. We hope your application for studies at Loon University is going well. A quick note that during the discussion in this pod, the application dates for the second admission round are stated incorrectly. If you are eligible to apply in the second admission round, you have until 20th of June to submit supporting documentation, or 5th of July if you're completing your upper secondary studies in an EU or EEA country other than Sweden, or in Switzerland, or an IB EB program. We do, of course, apologize for any inconvenience caused. In any case, the main admission round is the first admission round, and international applicants should try and apply during this round if possible. All of these dates discussing the first admission round are stated correctly in this episode. I won't go into any further detail now, but of course, please double check all application dates in the University Admissions in Sweden website before making your application. Hello and welcome to the Lund University International Podcast. On the show, you'll hear from current students, alumni, teachers, and many more special guests as we explore what it's really like to live and study at Lund University. My name is Tim Parker, and I am an International Communications Officer at the International Office of Lund University. All right, welcome to 2024, everyone. It's a fantastic start to a new year and the application deadlines are fast approaching. So today's episode will be a Q&A, a final application Q&A to help you get through those last stages of your application. And with me, we have a very familiar and very special guest. Welcome, Elliot. Thanks, Tim. I'm happy to be on. Nice. Usually, we're both hosts, so today we can kind of co-host the episode, I guess. That would be great, Tim. Exactly. Yeah. And the format we kind of figured out today was a Q&A between yeah. ourselves. Right. Um, so you can take the questions, and okay. I can provide some answers. But seeing as you are also an expert on the application process, you can chime in as well. Well, thank you, Tim. We both have, we both have gone through the process ourselves as being, um, you know, I'm I'm currently in my master's and you you did your master's here at Lund. And so studying in Sweden is something that we're both well acquainted with. These deadlines can be a little bit tricky and the application rounds can be kind of difficult to sort out. But I think in this Q&A, we'll be able to kind of, you know, make the distinction between the different deadlines and what you need to know. Perfect. And I guess we should also remind everyone that all the information you need is available on the Lund University website and yes. the University Admissions website. So this is yes. an extra helpful episode, yes. but you should always check in detail the information on the program page, University Admissions, and also all the information we've emailed out to applicants and that you've seen in our very helpful webinars as well. So yeah. we do actually provide quite a lot of help to our applicants. We so. do, we do. <laughs> and being on the other side of that help, I can tell you for sure, it's been really, really great. And now to see what we do in this office is also really fun. So I'm, I'm excited that we produce all this content for all these people. Exactly. So should I jump right in with the first question? Yeah, exactly. Go for it. So there are a couple different deadlines, Tim. Uh, can you tell me what the different deadlines are that that students need to be aware of with their application? Yes, great question. And this is always a little bit confusing for mm. our applicants. Mm. So remember, these deadlines are established by University Admissions in Sweden, the National Applications Portal, not Lund University. And right. you have the first deadline on the 15th of January and the second 
on the 1st of February. So the deadline on the 15th of January is the deadline to select your programs. You have to select your programs by the 15th of January. This is the final deadline for you to do so. Mm -hmm. So when you're applying for a master's program, mm -hmm. you can have a first choice and three backups. Mm -hmm. And when you're applying for a bachelor's program, you can have a first choice and seven backups, wow. which is interesting. Yeah. And you need to remember that you can only, you're only applying for one program and then those other programs are backups. So if you get into your first choice, uh, if you get admitted, then all those other applications are removed. It's not like you get accepted into multiple programs. Right. This comes up every year. Yes. So later yes. down the line, when we get our applicants who are admitted, uh, we, for example, might get a student who might say, I put global the Global Studies Masters as my first choice, mm. uh, but I put the Development Studies Masters as my second choice. I got into my first choice, but I, now I want to get into my second yeah. choice. And unfortunately, you can't. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So ranking your choices is something that a term we throw around a lot. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the rank, it seems, is the 15th, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And then the 1st of February, what, what, what is the 1st of February? All right. And the, so the 1st of February deadline is the document yeah. deadline. Mm -hmm. And if you're a non-EU EEA citizen, it's the deadline to pay the application fee as well to university mm -hmm. admissions. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, you need to have all your documents submitted correctly to university admissions right. uh, by that deadline. Uh, and then also the application fee has to be received by that deadline as well. Mm. If you are an EU or EEA citizen, you need to have your EU or EEA documentation uploaded into your university admissions portal by the 1st of February. Mm -hmm. That could be a passport, it could be a national identity card, some sort of you know proof that you are an EU citizen if you wanna remove that application fee, right? Exactly, okay. exactly. Okay. So that's the benefits of being from the European Union. Right. And again, remember, these uh, the application fee is paid to university admissions in Sweden, mm -hmm. not Lund University. Are the deadlines flexible? So if I'm a student and I, you know, well, I, you know, I'm, you know, maybe I can write an email and I can see if I can get in a different deadline or something. Is that is that possible? Just playing devil's advocate. Yeah, great question. We get it every year and the answer is no. Mm. So these deadlines, as I've said, are made by university admissions, not Lund University. They are not flexible at all. Mm. They cannot be bent at all in any way. So you need to select your programs by the 15th of January. You need to have your documents uploaded by the 1st of February and sort out the application fee or your EU documentation by then. Uh, what I also recommend to all our applicants is that you don't need to leave your application to the last minute. Mm. You can do your get everything uploaded and select your select your programs mm -hmm. uh, early on in the process to avoid any stress. You can do it. Well, you can do it now. I mean, when this podcast comes out, but you could also do it in, in you know, at any other time. Um, you know, before the deadlines. Exactly. I'm imagining you were the kind of student who had everything uploaded nice and early. Well, I did, Tim. You're right to assume that. I, uh, in October, I went in there and I made my first application for my graduate studies here in Sweden. But actually, it turns out that I changed my mind about the programs that I wanted to be in. Okay. So I had to cancel my my first application and I went in and I made a new application and I ranked my programs in a different uh, ranking okay. so that I got into the program that I'm in now. 
So if students are out there thinking, how important is the ranking, the choices, you know, decision? The answer is really, it's super important because that first program that you put, hopefully it's a program at Lund University, we would hope if you're listening to our podcast, <laughs> you will get into that, you will get into that program if you get selected, if you're qualified. But the other ones, like you said earlier, Tim, get kind of wiped out. So if I am, um, if I'm looking at the different applications on the university admissions page, I, if I'm putting my student hat on, there's this thing called the second and the Swedish application round. What, what is that, Tim? I mean, should I be, um, should I be applying to that as well as the international application round? Perfect. Really glad you asked. So we encourage all our international applicants to apply in the main international application round, which we've already been talking about, mm -hmm. uh, which, as everybody already knows, opens in mid-October. Mm -hmm. And then you have your application deadline on the 15th of January for your programs and 1st of February for the application fee or your EU documentation. Those are the dates that everybody needs to remember. Mm. There's a, there is a second application round. Mm -hmm. The second application round is technically for Swedish students only. So uh, if you're applying, you, you can only apply in this round if you're Swedish or if you're an EU student who's applying to a bachelor's program ah. because this will allow you to complete your upper secondary school studies right. and have the documentation needed in right. order to begin studies in the following autumn. Mm. Um, if you apply on the Swedish application round, you don't mm. use universityadmissions.se, you use antagning.se because that's the Swedish mm. version of the site. And mm -hmm. this, uh, this round opens on the 15th of March and the application deadline to choose your programs is the 15th of April. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the document deadline is the 2nd of May. However, there is a uh, caveat here. Right. So that if you're an EU or EEA citizen or from Switzerland or uh, studying an IB or EB program, mm. uh, you have until the 5th of July to submit your document. So basically, if you are an EU citizen or EEA citizen, uh, studying at upper secondary school level, you can apply in the second round. Otherwise, you need to go for the first round. And this this secondary round, uh, it's not recommended for international students to apply because uh, what, what's the reason why exactly we so, shouldn't be applying to that? If I'm like, let's say I'm from America, I'm applying for a bachelor's study in development studies. Why should I apply in the international round versus the Swedish round? Because if you are a non-EU EEA citizen, you're going to need a residence permit ah. to live in Sweden. So uh, you need to get admitted in the first round to allow yourself time to make that application. Mm. And for the Swedish Migration Agency to process your migration application right. and approve it, of course. Well, right. hopefully. <laughs> right, right, right. But you have, because you have to remember that the Swedish Migration Agency is a separate agency, a separate government agency to mm. Lund University. So once you're admitted to Lund University, then you can go on ahead and apply for your residence program. Again, remember, when you're admitted to studies, we're going to give you all of this information right. via email and in right. our webinars as well. Right, right, right. Well, that's great. So maybe we should dig a little deeper into uh, the 15th of January deadline and then the 1st of February deadline and kind of explore the differences between the two of those uh, in more depth here. So 
We talked a little bit earlier about the 15th of January being the time to, the deadline to rank your programs in order of what you want. Do you have any tips on selecting or ranking program choices? Well, I think, Ali, you might just have as many tips as I do here. Because, <laughs> because this really comes down to what you want to study mm. and how you see your future as well. Mm. So the main thing to remember, as we've already said, you put your first choice and then you have backups. Right. You don't, you're not selecting multiple choices here. Right, right. So you really, really need to think about what you want to study. And at Lund University, we are Sweden's highest-ranked comprehensive university. That's right. We have over 140 English-taught international degree programs. That's right. So you really need to spend some time looking through uh, our programs. You can browse mm. on our website a list of full programs. You can yeah. browse by subject area. Yeah. Maybe your entry point to a program is actually through an excellent researcher or mm. recommendation. So mm. that's how you might get to the program. Mm -hmm. But you really, really need to think about what you want your first choice to be mm. yeah mm. so you mentioned that you changed your choices i did i originally was applying to the environmental management and policy um uh master's program as my first choice okay and then i realized you know i i might not be as qualified as i thought for that <laughs> program no that's the truth that's the honest truth yeah. and so uh, in talking with the professors that were going to write my letters of recommendation, one of the professors here that studies economic sociology, Johan Sambari, he said, it might be good to, um, to look at other programs that might better fit your interests and also your expertise, you know, coming from my bachelor's in development studies. And so I started looking at other programs at the university, and one that stuck out was Sociology of Law. It's a, it's a master's program, two-year master's program in, in Sociology of Law. So in looking at my existing application that I had made just after, in October, after the, the start of the opening of admissions, I made that first application. And then I thought, you know what? It's time to, to reconsider. It's time to think about my... Um, my experience, my expertise, and also what I'm really interested in. And I made the switch and I changed my application to rank sociology of law as the first program so that when I got an admissions offer, that it would go to my first choice rather than to other choices that I had. So of course, when you're selecting programs, I selected four programs at the university, all of which I had interest in. But I had to kind of choose which one was my favorite because I think about it like you only get one ticket, you know. So take your ticket wisely and you get the ticket for the one that you really want. So don't, <laughs> don't, you know, don't think that you can get all of the, um, the programs that you applied to and get admissions to every one of them and kind of negotiate them after the deadline. Your ranking is kind of a self-negotiation. You have to kind of think, okay, this is my favorite. Um, I like the way you described that. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah thank um, you. There's a lot of re there's a lot of information out there. I mean, yes. if you're juggling between a couple of programs, yes. go to the faculty or department yes. webpage. Yes. Take a look at the research that that the professors on that program right. are doing right. and decide what suits your interests and yes. uh, the most. There's so many resources out there. You can read books. You can read articles from researchers. Uh, the sky is the limit, really. There's also a super useful tool for some of the programs here at the university called Unibuddy that we have. We yes. offer that. Mm -hmm. Unibuddy allows you to chat to current students in that program. They're super responsive. And so if you're a prospectus student 
and you're looking at, you know, kind of getting involved in, in a program, you could always write somebody who's studying that and say, what's the workload? Do you like what you're studying? You know, is it, is it more like this? Is it more like that? You know, because when you read those course pages, they give one perspective. But the student testimonials that are included on there have another perspective, and Unibuddy has another perspective. So it, from the advice from, from us, I think, would be to our listeners, take in all that information when you're ranking your choices. But by the 15th of January, you have to have them ranked, right? <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it back to the 15th of January. 15th of January, you have to have them ranked, and you cannot change them. Exactly. Right? So okay. we've, we've already said you can't change. There's right. a slight another little uh, loophole down the line which you can come to and that's if you get put on the reserve list ah. for your first choice yes. and you get admitted to your second right then at a later date if someone drops out or enough might people drop out you might better go back into your first choice right. that's the only and that can happen right. for your second and third for, for example but that's like playing the lottery you never no. know if that's possible exactly. there might be a full class or all those exactly. things exactly so, Tim, tell me more about the second deadline for our international students. February 1st, it's seared into my memory um, in particular. And I remember going to my um, upper secondary school um, counselor and saying, please send an email with all of my documents to university admissions before the 1st of February. So what what is that 1st of February deadline and why do we... Treated as sacrosanct. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, it, you put it well, Elliot. So the first of February deadline is the, as we've already said, the document deadline and Documents. the deadline to pay your application fee or prove your exemption. Right. Um, so those are the two things that you have to get done by then. My piece of advice for everyone out there who's listening to this now is just yeah. get all this done well in advance. Do not wait until the last few days of January. Just uh, get all your documents sorted as early as you can. Correct. And uh, make sure you prove your exemption or pay the application fee as early yeah. as you can. So main piece of advice here, don't yeah. wait until the last minute. Get it done early. Yeah. Tim, how do I know what documents I should upload? What what should I do with regard to that? And how should I send in my documents? Double barrel question. Yeah, that's a two so for one. As we, so, we're <laughs> not gonna, so we're not going to go through every single document that you need right. on the pod right now. Right. Um, but as we've already said on the program webpage, you can find exactly what is required for your application. So in most cases, that's going to be your transcript, your diploma officially uh, issued and uploaded. Right. It's going to be your ID. And in most cases, it's going to be some kind of program specific document as right. well. Right. Uh, but again, this can vary depending on the program that you apply for. Uh, some uh, programs require a statement of purpose. Mm. Uh, our architecture program, for example, requires you to upload a portfolio. And remember, right. there can be slight differences in how these need right. to be submitted or uploaded. Right. Um, so again, check on the program pages and here's another very important important piece of information Elliot, mm. because you mentioned that you needed your un home university to uh, post your official transcript right. to university admissions but That's that right. is a country specific requirement country so, specific exactly yeah. so you need to check the country specific requirements yeah. on the university admissions page as well because for some applicants 
most documents can be uploaded mm. through the university admissions portal, mm. but for some students uh, from some countries, there are special requirements. For example, right. one small example of that is that U.S. students yeah. need their transcript to be sent from their home university directly. The official, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And there's um, a lot of different requirements about how documents should be issued and also translated. So mm. we don't want to dig into all of those little details on this right. pod. The main thing that we're going to say is that you need to check that yourself yeah. on university admissions, and you need to make yeah. sure that your documents are arriving to university admissions That's by the right. first of February. That's well. right. Yeah, I would recommend students um, to kind of do what, what what I have done when I was applying, which was open up your browser and put the tabs up on there and put the country specific on one tab from university admissions, put the program page on another tab, put your application on another tab, and just start to kind of sort your documents and what you need to do and plan out your timelines before the deadlines that are occurring. Mm -hmm. Because when, when that February 1st deadline happens, what are our, our, our fates sealed? I mean, can we go and submit our documents after? I mean, what, what happens? Can I, can I go in and submit them later? Or they got, oh, the, the mail, it's going to be later. What happens? Well, as with stated already those deadlines are pretty fixed so you need fixed, to get yeah. on to things early and again right it's university admissions in sweden so welcome to sweden mm -hmm. where we have a national application portal where, where all applications are treated equally mm -hmm. and there we can't really make flexible adjustments here mm -hmm. at our own admissions mm -hmm. okay so uh, there's also this thing that we have that some people have to uh, submit depending on their country requirements mm -hmm. and their educational background, which is English proficiency. What should we know about English proficiency? Um, how does that impact people's applications? Um, you know, do we submit test scores? What's the deal? Perfect question, Elliot. So that was actually the one other piece of documentation which I didn't mention earlier when I said mm. you need to upload documentation. Mm -hmm. But uh, all applicants need to prove their English proficiency. It doesn't matter if they're like you and me. We come from uh, native English-speaking countries. Right. Uh, or it doesn't matter where you come from. You need to prove your English proficiency. And there's a few ways you can do that. Again, they're all listed on university admissions. But uh, there's three main ways. The first way is that you cut you studied previously in an english-speaking country in which case you just need to upload your official transcripts to prove this uh, or if you studied uh, studied one year full-time studies in an english-speaking country or eu country again you can get an officially issued letter or an official transcript to prove this and the third and final option is to take an officially approved English test. So what you need to remember about if you need to take an English test is mm. that you need to uh, have this test booked early on. So if you're listening mm. to the pod now, mm. <laughs> it's probably too late. To, yeah. Yeah. And there's a couple yeah. of weeks to go until right. you get to upload and you need, still need to book an English test. Then unfortunately... Uh, it's going to be too late in this right. application room. For everyone else that's being prepared, right. um, you need to have booked, for example, an IELTS or TEFL test yeah. early on, and then that it can be uploaded to university admissions as well. So just right. remember, everyone has to prove their English proficiency. Right. Yeah. Tim, I have... I uh, So I get a lot of questions in the email inbox here at 
IMR, mm -hmm. uh, the International Marketing Recruitment Office, about I have some extra documents. I might have done an internship. I have a, a letter of recommendation that's not required for my program. I've got I've got some supplemental information, some auxiliary information. Mm -hmm. And should I should I put that with my application? Will it make my application better by adding documents that are not requested? What's your advice? We have a lot of programs, is my advice, and the requirements vary a lot. Mm. And so the main thing with any documents that you're uploading is always check what's required by the program. But you're asking about extra non-required documents. In that case, it's not necessary to upload additional reference letters right. or uh, additional uh, qualifications that you may have. But then again, you need to think strategically about uh, the word required here. So if mm. there is, for example, a CV component to your application uh, and you want to really put your best foot forward, which mm. you need to, then you mm. should go ahead and weave those into the CV component. Mm. For example, mm. if there's a statement of purpose, how much can you pack into that statement of purpose? Right. Right. But to answer your question directly, you don't need to yeah. go uploading 50 extra right, documents right, proving right. that you took this course and this course right, if it's not right, required right. Uh, as part of meeting the entry requirements right. or part of the selection criteria consideration. Right. Yep. And there's also something that I didn't know until I started working here at uh, at the university, but there was there's kind of two layers of people that look at your at your documentation mm -hmm. and your and your the things that you submit. Um, for the master's programs, uh, which is very different than the bachelor's programs and the people that are submitting um, information for bachelor's programs. When I was applying for my bachelor here at Lund, I was a bit confused when they only asked for transcripts, my proof of English proficiency, and an application fee with the ranking of the programs, things like that. I thought, where's the SAT? Where's the letter of motivation? <laughs> where's the Nobel Prize that I had mm -hmm. won in high school? You know, all these things, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so so um, I, I think that there's something about that which was a bit confusing. Um, but the truth is, from what I hear from you, mm -hmm. Tim, and from, from the program websites, things like that, if you're applying to a bachelor's program, just submit what they what they are asking, mm -hmm. you know, and your application will be will be made. But when it comes to master's programs, those applicants, they might have to submit some extra documents mm -hmm. and they might have to submit some CVs and some letters of motivation or even some letters of, uh, of recommendation from professors mm -hmm. and things like that. For example, the Environmental Management and Policy Program. That's right. And then again, That's they have right. to be submitted in a specific way. So right. And they have their own criteria for exactly. that. Yeah. Again, so as with everything in this pod, remember, right. check the program webpage. Check the program right. webpage. And then also just know that there's going to be somebody at the University Admissions that's going to be checking that you have the right documents. But then ultimately those decisions sometimes get made, if I'm correct, by the programs themselves. And they look at the documents and they read the, the, um, the different letters of motivation, mm -hmm. things like that. So when you're thinking about writing who are you writing to? I mean, this, this is not specifically what we're talking about in the pie, mm -hmm. but I think it's always good to remember your audience for those documents. Don't overwhelm the, the admissions staff at University Admissions. Just submit what they ask. 
Don't exactly. don't go over and don't go under. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. And you bring up a good point about mm. how uh, applications are actually assessed as well, right. which we can get onto uh, in yeah. a minute as well. But there was just a few other quick points sure. that I can just whiz through, maybe super go quickly. Go for it. Go so for people it. often ask us about translations for documents mm. and their specific requirements for those. Yeah. Uh, check on university admissions under the country-specific requirements. Right. Uh, some, for example... Uh, Danish documents can be uploaded, but mm. most other countries need to be translated. But check that. Uh, naming documents, yeah. uh, if you have a statement of purpose yeah. that doesn't require a specific template, then of course put your name and the name of the program and the title on Put your there. surname and your, and your first name. and Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and everyone sometimes gets a bit when they're uploading documents. It can be a little bit of a overwhelming experience because you feel like <laughs> you're putting them up there onto university admissions and yeah. then they're gone. So yeah. um, just remember on the staff side and on the evaluation side, they can see everything in your portal together. Right. But of course, name them clearly. One thing on that: mm -hmm. when you submit something to the portal, mm -hmm. by law. It never goes away. Exactly. Next question that we had here. So be careful. <laughs> be careful of what you say. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. in accordance with Swedish law, right. as you said, right. you can never remove a document that you have uploaded right. from university admissions. Right. And um, it becomes public record, exactly. if, I, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. semi-public. Exactly. Yeah. So... Um, this is doesn't need to be a problem. Mm. Um, just pay careful attention to the documents that you're uploading. Mm -hmm. Double, triple, quadruple check them. Yeah. And yeah. if you do make a mistake, that's fine. Right. Uh, you can just go ahead and upload the corrected document right. and you can right. send an email to an email, an yeah. email to university admissions or to Lund University yeah. and uh, this is going to be okay. I have a piece of advice for that, which is a bit uh, maybe uh, technical. Mm -hmm. But I recommend for people to make a submission before the submission. Do it with a, with a folder in your computer that says University Admissions Submissions and put all the documents that you will submit in that one folder, check them, and then submit those that are clearly in the folder so you submit the right ones so that you can see where they're at and then when you submit them, they're the right ones to submit. Brilliant advice, Elliot. That's why we have you here on the pod. My pleasure. My <laughs> pleasure. Yeah. And then the final, the, the final question that we sort of wanted to cover quickly about mm. uh, about documents is people yeah. who are applying again because we know Lund University is a competitive university to receive admission to. We have it students is. that are here that didn't get accepted in one year and then they made an application. They got in the next year. That's so right. Again, in accordance with Swedish law, you can only have one university admissions account. Mm. Uh, so uh, you just go ahead and use that same account to make your second application. Right. If your general documents are still relevant, your English proficiency, yeah. your diploma, your transcript, your ID, if they're still all still up to date, right. you don't need to upload them again. But if there's program-specific requirements, you will, of course, need to submit your program-specific mm. documents mm. again. And I just want to remind our listeners again to, to, to sear it in your brains. 15th of January, ranking the programs and making sure that that's all locked in. And then February 1st, documents, final application, right? Exactly. And application fee application for fee. EU and EEA citizenship. Right. Every year also we get 
a lot of emails from our EU applicants saying, right. I've uploaded my EU documentation, but in my portal, mm. I can still see that I, it's still there's still an annoying little thing <laughs> sitting in there that says that I have to pay an application right, fee. Right, right, right. Remember, Sweden is one of the world's premier education destinations. So all Swedish universities are getting a huge amount of applications tons, and even tons. the AI and everything that's being used yeah. it does it means that your EU EEA documentation doesn't get checked instantly when you upload it. Right. As long as it's there it's going to be checked before the 1st of February and you won't have to pay that's right an application fee. That's right. And should we move on now to what you kind of mentioned earlier, yeah. the assessment? Period. That's right. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. So I've, I've submitted, let's, I'm going to take my student hat and put it back on. Um, I've submitted my application. Now what, Tim? Now exactly. what? Now it's time to sit on the sofa and take a break <laughs> or go and relax for a month or so because now... Pick up a new hobby <laughs> or something. I mean, you're really going to have to take time. Or yeah. just sit back and chat with our uni buddies. That's right. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, uh, but listen to our pod. Yeah. <laughs> Check out our social media. Yeah, yeah, Read right. our research. <laughs> Watch our YouTube channel. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot to keep you occupied, but you can also do non-Lund University related things. Of course. <laughs> of course. Take a walk or something. And, yeah. While you're... Or like me, I, I was actually in Nepal Were when you uh, my application was being assessed. So That's I was right. walking in the Himalayas. So it kept my mind off things. Nice. Nice. Um, nice. But... Your application is going to get assist. So yeah. uh, you already mentioned this, Ali, a little bit. So for bachelors, we none of us here are admissions officers. We are we not. We can't go into yeah. the details, but we can right. give you a quick summary of how it works. Right. For uh, bachelor's applications, university admissions evaluates your application and gives you a merit score. Strictly on merit. Yeah, which That's is, it. Which, and they're experts yeah. that they conduct that process and right. then they provide a list to the programs. Mm. When you're up, Remember, we only have 10 international bachelor's programs. When you're applying to our master's programs, uh, university admissions evaluates your that you meet the general entry requirements that you're mm. eligible mm. if you're eligible uh, then your application will then get moved on to the program staff who are experts in that specific area mm -hmm. and then they will evaluate you based on the selection criteria so they mm. will get a list of all the eligible candidates and they would choose the most highly qualified and the most suitable to be right. selected right. to come onto the program right. remember if you're eligible but you don't get selected, you can get put on reserve, reserve uh, which right. can be uh, a slightly tedious process. Mm. So because you never really know um, how many other people are going to not accept their place. Right. Uh, but again, you get information communicated to you about this. Uh, when it happens. And of course, the higher up the reserve list you are, the higher chance you have of being admitted. Uh, and you also need to remember that there is going to be, if you're a non-EU EEA citizen who needs to apply for a migration permit, there's going to be, a, sorry, a residency permit in Sweden, there's going to be basically a cutoff point where if you're not accepted on reserve in time, then the time to apply for and receive your residence permit for studies in Sweden will have passed. But again, right, right. these are all things. As we've said before, yeah. we are famous for our professional communication. Send so us these, an email. I mean, if, you, if you're wondering about some of these things, you know, if you listen to some of the deadlines in this podcast, and you're like, what's going on? 
send us an email. You know, a bunch of colleagues would be happy to answer those those kind of more specific questions. Now, Tim, you said something about accepting your place. Now, what does that mean? So when we get an offer from the university, uh, when we get a admissions office off offer, what do we have to do? Because there's something that we have to do, right? Great question, Elliot. So the first thing that we haven't actually mentioned yet is that admission results, the big day for master's applicants is the 21st of March, 2024. Mm -hmm. And for bachelor's applicants, it's the 11th of April, mm -hmm. 2024. Mm -hmm. You can log into your university admissions account on that day, Swedish time, and hopefully you're gonna see a green light mm -hmm. in your university admissions account, which says admitted or conditionally admitted. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, you're gonna receive information from Lund University with all the next steps you need to take. So mm -hmm. I think the question that you asked about how do you accept your place and what happens yeah. is the topic of another podcast. That sounds but, great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because, and the topic of an e mini emails and right, webinars, right, right, recorded right, right. sessions. So right. we'll get, th we'll, there will be information about that later. And yeah. The main thing that everyone needs to remember is that uh, we are here to help you along every step of the way. Mm. Uh, we will send all our admitted students detailed and concise information about the steps they need to take. There'll be webinars. For some students, there'll be personal visits mm. from our staff, mm. uh, and we'll guide you through that whole process. We mm -hmm. have a fantastic app called Going, which our admitted students can use uh, to chat with other admitted students. I mean, it's just the beginning of your new awesome life at Lund University. Uh, but let's talk about what happens when you get admitted another time. Sounds good, Tim. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming in today and Elliot and talking about this application process. And for everyone out there, we wish you the best of luck. Best of luck. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Stay focused. Remember, make your checklist. As Elliot said, check everything before you upload it. Oh yeah, yeah. And take our advice uh, with a grain of salt and, and do what's best for you. Thank you, Tim, and Happy New Year to you. And um, yeah, look forward to being on another pod with you. Thanks, Elliot. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Lund University International Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Lund University, you can go to our website, lunduniversity.lu.se. You can also follow us on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and X, and you can chat with current students on Unibuddy. Don't forget to subscribe, and we look forward to bringing you a new episode very soon.